What is older, Nancy Pelosi or the microwave oven? I'm just kidding. Anywhere else I'd be I think I'm sitting here with three heterosexuals as far as I know. There was something visually interesting about them. From the Barbie premiere in Spain, look what's, oh God, yes, queen. Oh my God, yes. Just yesterday in the state of Florida, they decided middle school students will be taught that enslaved people benefited from slavery. I feel like they didn't talk to any African-Americans because we could have told them. I don't know what the high hell you're talking about because two of the scholars that were on the board who put this whole curriculum together are black. He has done literally everything that anyone right-leaning could believe in. He, he's, a, he's America's greatest governor, I've said that. And right now, the Rubicon has been crossed where they think DeSantis is going to betray him. I'm not even saying that's fair. But maybe this is why Trump should stop lying about DeSantis every which way. And you know he is. Is there anything you guys want to tell me about your sexuality real quick? Anyone? We're good? We're good? What up, yo? I'm Dave Rubin. This is The Rubin Report. It's July 26, 2023. We're live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Locals. If you like that little previously on The Rubin Report, uh, Brock put that together for us yesterday. We are going to be laying those out every day come the fall. I just finished watching Secession. I know I'm like a year behind everybody or six months behind everybody, basically. Just finished watching. And you know, when you watch all these drama shows, they give you that little previously on what you missed recap thing. And I was like, why don't we do that? We have a show. We're guys like us. So we threw that thing together. I thought it was fun. And we're going to keep tweaking those and making them silly and fun and all that good stuff. Uh, guys, as you know, tomorrow... Today, Wednesday? What day is it? Jesus. This year. Uh, tomorrow is our last day on the grid until August 23rd. We're doing our big sort of half plus year wrap up show tomorrow. Then I disappear till the Republican debate, August 23rd in Milwaukee. We'll be back. I've got Santos on that show. Nikki Haley's committed. I think Vivek committed. Uh, Francis Suarez, if he makes it to the debate, we're working on everybody. It's going to be a big, big event there. Rumble's putting together a huge stage. I think there's going to be hundreds of people in the crowd live streaming it. Going to be awesome, blah, blah, blah. Uh, as you know, we have a uh, post-game show, as always, at rubenreport.locals.com. And I am super psyched for today's show. I enjoy what I do for a living, but today I feel like we can sort of birth a new alliance because I sense something is forming. It's something that we hit on uh, mostly on Monday and then touched on a bit yesterday. But some of you that have been watching me for a long time, you'll remember the phrase, I have not said it in a couple of years, uh, the intellectual dark web. This was a group of people uh, sort of when I was kind of getting popular way back when, when I was one of the first sort of outside of mainstream people building a studio in my garage, sitting down with people across the political divide, whether they were Sam Harris on the left uh, or Ben Shapiro on the right, just talking it out, having debates about God and having debates about the role of government, all of these things. The thing kind of blew up. This was obviously related to Joe Rogan as well and, and a whole bunch of people. But it was, it was the point of it was we were going to defend free speech and it, we were going to try to get over some of the right versus left insanity. I sense it's reforming, it's retaking shape. It's not for me to coin the new term, let's say the new intellectual dark web. We could probably, Eric Weinstein actually came up with that and it was a little bit sort of tongue in cheek. Uh, it's not for me to coin, it's probably for one of you guys to coin what this new thing is. 
But this thing where Russell Brand is talking to DeSantis and Tucker Carlson is talking to Ice Cube and Bill Maher is talking to Jordan Peterson, et cetera, et cetera. It's starting to take form and take shape and it's bigger than politics and that Ladles and Jelly Spoons is the theme of today's show. So let's dive right into it. Uh, Tucker Carlson, who, as you know, no longer with Fox, he's doing his solo thing. Unclear where he will fully end up. He's putting him on Twitter for now. Sounds like he might be building some sort of media empire. We shall see. He sat down or in a car. He took a drive with Ice Cube, rapper Ice Cube. This is the crossover you did not expect. And they drove through South Central LA and talked about a bit of everything. Uh, here are Tucker and Ice Cube talking about why Ice Cube did not get the vaccine. Why wouldn't you take the vax? Um, you, you had a direct order to take it. You were told to take it. Yeah, I, I'm not real good with direct orders, but on a whole nother note, <laughs> um, <laughs> But it was a command. I didn't. I mean, they told. I'm sorry. They told you. I mean, they couldn't have been clearer about yeah, it. Yeah, it was pretty clear. Uh, <laughs> uh, did you take it? Of course not. Yeah, no. It, it wasn't ready. You know, it was six month. You know, kind of rush job, and and I didn't feel safe. But they told you you were safe. I know what they said. <laughs> I know what they said, and I heard them. I heard them loud and clear, but it's it's not their decision. There's no repercussions if they're wrong, but I get all the repercussions if they're wrong. Was, was it a tough call for you? No, it wasn't a tough call. You know, I wanted it to be an example for my kids, you know, really make sure they didn't take it either. Show them that I, you know, I wanted to stand on my convictions and that I was willing you know, to lose $9 million and more because we've probably lost more, you know, since then. Okay, so unvaxxed Ice Cube in a car driving through South Central LA with unvaxxed Tucker Carlson. Now, Tucker Carlson, we didn't know he was unvaxxed until a week and a half ago or so when he did that Blaze Forum and Asa Hutchinson tried to turn the question on him and then he announced he was unvaxxed. Uh, this isn't specifically about the vax, although it's interesting now to find out that there were a whole bunch of people who privately uh, weren't getting vaxxed. Some people did it a little bit more publicly, whatever it might be. But the bigger idea that people weren't just swallowing the narrative, that people were saying, oh, the machine wants us to do this and it wants to put mandates down. And it used two weeks ago was saying my body, my choice. Now it wants you to force, it wants to force you to do things. And it wants you just because you work for somebody that that person should be able to force you to be injected, all that stuff. And a lot of people got red pilled because of it. Now, I have no doubt that Tucker Carlson and Ice Cube probably have wide, wide disagreements, perhaps on abortion and borders and all sorts of political stuff. But this goes to the new thing that is, is taking shape right in front of us. And I think that all of us that care about freedom and free speech and decency and living in a country with people that are different from us and all of that stuff, we can help shape it right now, right? We can be the people with the clay that are doing the thing. And that would be pretty good. Okay. So if they're sort of on that same team, what is that same team? It seems to be somewhat pro-truth, right? It doesn't just swallow what the narrative is. It's definitely somewhat anti-woke. My guess is Ice Cube's got some woke stuff within him, but it's, it's more anti-machine. It's showing you that politics is not 
the end all be all. Uh, let's go a little bit further on that interview. Uh, Ice Cube talks about how he was painted the villain for taking a stand on this stuff. The idea is that people who stand on their convictions are heroes. They're brave. They have principles. You know, they're the people we look to for inspiration. But in this case, with this decision and these principles, you were not hailed as a hero. No. You were attacked. Why won't you get the vaccine, man? Hey, look, man, I'd just rather be myself than take that vaccine like you other three billion bozos. <laughs> I never told anyone not to get vaccinated publicly. That was never my message to the world. I didn't even want people to know whether I got vaccinated or not. I was pretty upset that that even came out because you know, I was just gonna quietly, you know, just not take it and deal with the consequences as they came. Do you know anyone who was injured by the vaccine? I do. And they suffer every day and it's, it's hard to watch. Suffering in silence is not the answer all the time. You know, sometimes you gotta let people know what's going on so you can actually move the needle. Choose to be vocal. If it's true, why can't I say it? Uh, well, you can't say it because it is true. <laughs> there it is. Now that's the problem with the world today. That, There's no penalty problem. for lying. No one's ever punished for lying. It's only telling the truth. It gets you in trouble. Ain't that something? That's true. Yeah, that is so true. Okay, so that's it. Again, there's just no doubt these guys have major political differences. I've got some political differences with Tucker, and I have, again, no doubt that I have political dif disagreements, whatever it might be with Ice Cube. It doesn't matter. There's a bigger thing happening right now. And, you know, the way, the best example that I can give you, which is what they gave you right there, when you talk about the machine, so people, well, well, what is the machine? It's this amorphous thing. The machine is Saturday Night Live, that clip they showed you, where that hack comedian is doing an impression of Ice Cube and making it look like Ice Cube because he was skeptical of a vaccine that in the earlier clip, they talked about how it was rushed through in six months, which by the way, I think that's partly why Trump didn't show up to that Blaze Media thing with Tucker because Tucker would hit him on that, right? Trump is still very, very proud of Operation Warp Speed. But the point is, what is the machine? The machine is the corporate press and the corporate comedy that when someone dare takes a step against it, they mock the hell out of you and they try to turn you into the bad guy. But now there is this bizarro new alliance. So I'm gonna show you something from Fox News that's gonna be a bit odd because Fox News is platforming a Democratic candidate unlike MSNBC and unlike CNN who refuse, in Jake Tapper's own words, he refuses to uh, have RFK Jr. on. Well, Sean Hannity did a town hall with RFK Jr. yesterday. Uh, here's RFK, who again, as he said on my very show just a couple weeks ago, he just wants to have these conversations. He wants to talk about these difficult things. He wants to put a little sunlight to allow freedom to spread, freedom to grow, right? That's what he's trying to do. He lays out his argument for his campaign right here. We have a, a minute left in, in this hour. And I want to ask you this. You, you, you're talking to the American people tonight. Why should they vote for you for president? Tell them what, what make I mean, in a one minute final statement. 
Uh, I mean, the, you know, I'm running on a, um, on a I'm, I think most Americans were at each other's throats today. We have the worst polarization that we've ever had since the American Civil War. It's more dangerous and more toxic. Well, the 60s was a little crazy, too. I mean, the 60s, were, yeah, when my father ran, it was, you know, there was a lot of uh, division at that time. But it's hard to say, see how this is ever going to end well. And what I've said is I want to end that polarization, and I want to do that by telling the truth. That, that the way that we're going to do that, the first step we have to take is, is to tell the truth. Have somebody, have a president who's willing to tell the truth about everything. Wouldn't that be something if we had a president who told the truth? Think about our current president, who I suppose you could say is the leader of the machine, or at least the figurehead of the machine, right? He's not really leading this thing. He's a cog in the machine. He thinks he's in charge of the machine. But Joe Biden can't say anything true. Joe Biden doesn't know what he's talking about. Joe Biden reads poorly off a teleprompter or off the notes that they put in front of him. We have spokespeople like Cringe Jean-Pierre who lie for a living. They are literally paid to lie. We have people on MSNBC and on The View, uh, as I referenced the other day, you know, Whoopi, they literally just put a card in front of her and she just reads it. She doesn't know what she's saying or why she's saying it. And it's not even about uh, Joy Reid or, or Rachel Maddow on MSNBC. They're lying. Of course, they're lying about virtually everything. But the question, they're just actors. They're just, they're cogs in the machine. The machine works all the way up to much bigger pieces. So it's the producers, it's the executives above them, it's the people above them. That's what we're all trying to figure out and fight. And it's not left versus right anymore. It's, it's anyone who is roughly sane versus the obvious liars and dare I say scumbags. Uh, so here is a bit that might uh, might shock you because uh, most of you watching this are, let's say, right-leaning or disaffected liberals, probably more on the conservative side of things, especially when it comes to economics. Uh, but here's RFK really making a populist capitalist argument on economics, the guy running as a Democrat on Fox News for a conservative crowd. Well, we don't have free market capitalism in this country. We have corporate crony capitalism. We have a... We have a we have, a, uh, we have a system of, of cushy socialism for the super rich and this uh, brutal, a kind of brutal, savage, merciless capitalism for the poor. And it's all designed to strip mine the middle class of this country of all of their equity, all of their assets, and move it to the upper echelons. And, and you know, the COVID lockdowns, with a final straw, COVID lockdowns, we created a billionaire a day, and this was Trump and Biden, of 500 days of lockdowns, we created a billionaire a day. We moved $4 trillion from the American middle class to the super rich. We built, the people who came into the lockdown with thirty with a billion dollars increased their wealth on average by 30%. And you, and you know, we closed 3.3 million businesses. And so that in retrospect, uh, and, and I give for a period of time in the early days, nobody knew what the hell they were dealing with. Let's be fair. But there came. Uh, I'm a- not going to be fair. All right, you fair. don't be fair. Uh, no, uh, in the early days. Hmm. 
I'm not going to be fair. It's kind of beautiful. Hannity has to kind of, I don't think Hannity was doing anything untoward there, but you know, he's a Trump guy. So he has to like, kind of like run cover a little bit for Trump. But in essence, what RFK is saying there is that Trump and Biden, they're part of the machine. They're the ones who locked us down. As uh, Tucker and Ice Cube talked about, six months to rush out of acts. That was Trump. Biden was much bigger on lockdowns and mandates and all of those things. Trump giving Fauci an award on his way out, right? So what does this all lead us to? Like, what does it get us to if there's a whole bunch of people that are just making some sense right now that are not radicals? We're all going to be painted as radicals and racists. And as I said, Jake Tapper won't have RFK Jr. on. Phoenix mentioned to me right before we started the show that apparently Sam Harris, who was a, a big piece of that intellectual dark web thing that I mentioned up top, apparently on his podcast this week, he just announced that he would never have Sam uh, have RFK Jr. on. Like, there's some bizarre thing happening here. So what is it that we are really fighting? Well, I think RFK really kind of nailed it right here. And then none of these big tech companies allowed anybody to read the laptop story in the weeks leading up to that election. Now, to me, that is our government, in this case through the FBI, putting center blocks on a scale of an election. Is that something you would stop and do you agree with me? Yeah, I would stop. In fact, I'm going to issue an executive order the moment I get into the White House the first day forbidding <laughs> ending the weaponization of our agencies for political purposes. And, um, It's, it's worse than it's ever been. In my, in my view, it's worse than it's ever been. And, you know, one party will be in power and, and then they'll start doing it to the other party. And of it's course. going to be back and forth. Of All right. So what defines this new, please you name it, group? That includes you if you're watching this, this new coalition, this thing that's trying to take shape. It's ending the machine and the agencies and their collusion with big tech and their assault on the First Amendment, their assault actually on the Second Amendment, their assault really on all of our foundational documents and our right to live as we see fit. But this thing, it's not just about, I'm giving you some heavy hitters, Tucker and RFK Jr. and all of this. It's, it's actually starting to leak into a much wider, I would say, cultural uh, moment. On Tim Pool's podcast yesterday, it felt like a Rubin Report old school get together. Uh, Roseanne Barr, who Roseanne, by the way, I've mentioned this before when I've had her on the show a couple of times and, and we, were, we were pretty good friends when I lived in LA for a while. Roseanne, who was a lefty her entire life, right? The show of Roseanne was about this blue collar family that was, you know, really just like they, they were trying to do things about race on the show. The first ever lesbian kiss, if you're into that sort of thing, on network television was on Roseanne's show. Lefty her entire life. Then she came out as a Trump supporter, machine tries to destroy her. Then they bring back, you may remember, what was it, five years or so ago? They bring back the Roseanne show. It's the number one sitcom in America. She makes one off-color joke and they cancel the number one sitcom in America. Actually, they canceled her. They continued the show. And then the show, of course, without Roseanne, oddly, Roseanne without Roseanne, uh, that got canceled immediately after. Anyway, Roseanne went on Tim Pool's podcast yesterday uh, with Michael Malice, who's a many time guest of the Rubin Report. And they started talking about this divide, too, and a bit about how we get past it. Oh, it's just so scary and horrible. I, I just I'm so afraid. I just have to say I'm so afraid. 
What what are you afraid of? What's happening to our country and how divided we are? How we can't get how we can't get together to make it better for all of us. We just yeah, but we'll go down fighting at each other. But and when the, the government owners gets, are getting richer and uh, it's just awful. but 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 Roseanne, look at her. Wait, when the government gets together, it screws over the middle class for the, in the favor of, of people who have po- political access and power. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm scared of that. And how, yeah, yeah. how bad it's going to get for you, regular people. So how do we know that this cultural crossover is legit? First off, you've got like, you know, major Hollywood sitcom stars sitting down with anarchists at Tim Pool's house in West Virginia, like something about all of that. It's just like, there's something bubbling up. I felt this years ago, I'm feeling it again. I know this thing is real. Uh, but how do we know that there that it's actually legit? And again, gonna take that shape that this isn't just like a little blip on the internet. Well, you have to look at how the mainstream media reacts to it. So something very interesting, believe it or not, something not just idiotic, that's every week on The View, but something interesting happened on The View yesterday. Corporate machine view. They went after Ben Shapiro. Yes, who is part of this. Now, you may say Ben is a little more partisan, right? Uh, And that, that probably is right. But Ben, I think, is a relatively fair arbiter of what's going on in the world. And the point is that he and the Daily Wire, especially now that Jordan Peterson are there and everybody else and Knowles and they're all taken off, they, they are now a threat to the machine. So what does the machine do? It goes after you. So here is Whoopi, once again, who has no idea what she's talking about, going off on Ben Shapiro because he's critical of the Barbie movie. I find it upsetting when material is based on children's IP marketed to little girls actually ends up being angry feminist claptrap that alienates men from women, undermines basic human values, and promotes falsehood all at the same time. Wow. Wow. It's a movie! (laughs) It's a movie about a doll! I I thought y'all would be happy. She has no genitalia, so there's no sex involved. Ken has no genitalia, so he can't be... It's a doll movie. And you know who... The kids know it's colorful and it's Barbie. They haven't lived through what the adults have lived through. So when they're seeing this movie, that's not how they're looking at it. The kids are looking at it as a Barbie movie. You guys, I want you all to tell your daughters why you're not taking them to see the Barbie movie. I want you to explain to them what's wrong with Barbie. Now, look, I love my Barbie. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's a doll movie, guys. I'm, I'm shocked that that's what's freaking you out these days. All right. First off, those shoes are what's freaking me out. But putting that aside for a second, um, they are such deeply, if you can be a deeply shallow thinker, that's what these people are. It's not just a doll movie. If you listen to any of the people that made the movie, they're telling you that they're putting political and cultural messages in there. Brock, God bless him. He saw Barbie. He went out there on on your own volition. You just... He was excited to see Barbie. I send him out there to find, I send him. It's like sending a guy out to war to find out what's going on in the real world. I'm not going to do it. He comes back and he reports back to me when she's saying, oh, it's just, it is, it's just a doll movie. It has nothing to do. In the movie, according to Brock, and I, I trust this guy, okay, uh, he says that a middle schooler in the movie calls Barbie a fascist. So 
It doesn't even matter what that's specifically about in the movie. The point is, it's not just a doll movie about a doll with no genitals. They are pushing. We played some of the, the song uh, yesterday about it, right? We played it at the top of the show in the cold open. Like, they are trying to do something. By the way, as I said yesterday, they can create whatever the hell they want to create. We can react to it. I would prefer that people just build new things instead of destroying old things. But that's not really what this is about. What this really is about is that the machine now is viewing. Remember, remember, it was literally over a year ago. Remember that week where everybody on CNN, including several people who have been fired, like Don Lemon and Brian Stelter, remember with that whole week where they kept saying Joe Rogan is a racist because he said the N-word several times and shouldn't Spotify do something about Joe Rogan? And I kept saying, it has nothing to do with them thinking he's a racist. Nobody in their right mind thinks Joe Rogan's a racist. What CNN did not want, because it's part of the machine, is that an independent guy sitting in Austin, Texas, who's doing ayahuasca, hanging out with all this eclectic group of people, was making more sense and getting more viewers than them. So they were trying to take out the competition. I also want to say one other thing. Man, I'm fired up today. Let me say one other thing on this, and then I have a whole bunch of other things to say, so it's not really one other thing. <laughs> If I just say one more thing and then we're ending the show. Um, when she says, uh, it, well, I said the thing about it's just a movie, but she says it's just a doll, it's just a doll, and why are we getting worked up over this? Lady, uh, you guys were just screaming and ranting and raving over just a song yesterday. Just Jason Aldean, right? He's a racist. Everyone involved is a racist. Anyway, here is total corporate machine sellout, pretend pet conservative Alyssa Farah with some claptrap. Enjoy. I also just aspire to have like the time and energy to get worked up over a doll movie. Like it reminds me of the Bud Light, you know, scandal or whatever. How, is there not something more important going on in the world to get super passionate about? But it is to Joy's point. It kind of shows how the right wing influencers are actually out of touch with actual Republicans. Yeah. Every girlfriend of mine, Republican and Democrat, lined up this weekend to see it. There were memes. People were dressing up to go see it. It's fun. Greta Gerwig's brilliant, but also. I'm so taken by some of these right-wing men who have all these thoughts on masculinity. Oh, yeah. Like, somehow the Barbie movie is going to make them feel emasculated. No, caring so much about it is honestly I the most emasculating thing I could think of. Oh, you got your talking points, lady, and you are giving the machine just what it wants because you are an ineffectual pet Republican conservative and they will all turn on you, Alyssa Farah. Whatever you're making, like you better be saving that money because they will all one day turn on you, all of your friends, all of those women. I hope you are proud. And again, I say that not because I'm making some big brouhaha over Barbie and whatever the message was or wasn't in Barbie. I'm making the brouhaha over how now you can see the machine operating on people who are thinking a little bit differently about things, who are thinking a little bit uh, more clearly and more critically about things. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. So now I want to go old school on you. Uh, and some of you who have watched this show for a while might remember this clip. This is several houses ago when I lived in that crazy place of what? Oh, no. You, let's do something else first. Okay. We're changing something on the fly. First, before I get to that, I want to show you, uh, because when Alyssa's talking about the right-wing influencers online, and remember, she's corporate press, right? 
Now I want to show you something from what? This has got to be from what? 20 years ago, at least about 20 years ago. Here's Elon Musk 20 years ago predicting uh, how corporate media, the mainstream media, whatever you want to call it, that the internet is going to so fundamentally change that and how we get information. And that's the tension that I'm talking about throughout today's episode. I think the internet is the, the superset of all media. It, it is the... It, it, it is the, the be-all and, and end-all of, of, of media. Um, one will see print, uh, broadcast, arguably, uh, radio, essentially all media folding into the internet. And what the internet amounts to is it, it's, it's the first uh, two-way communication medium that, that, is, that is intelligent. It allows consumers to choose what they want to see, when they want to see it, um, and whether that be radio, whether that be print, whether that be uh, television, uh, broadcast, I think it's going to revolutionize uh, all traditional media. First, I have to, I have to say on like some, a little bit of like a personal note, watching that video from 1996, right? So 25 plus years ago, like the energy of him, the thoughtfulness of him, the way he speaks, it's so like the way that I've spent time with him privately and what you see of him publicly, that he was always thinking about all of these things to open up communication and all of this. It's why he bought Twitter, all of that. But, but you can see he was pointing out back then that he was basically saying, oh, there's this star in the distance. And this star in the distance is the promise of the internet where all of the things that we consume will start being opened up. We will have new ways of communicating, new ways of getting information, all of this, and it will be good. And the, and the promise of it, the hope of it, I guess the synth wave version of it was that it was going to be free and awesome and cool. And unfortunately we found while a lot of that happened, right? We, we got all these new voices and all of that. My, my career, literally me sitting here right now, your ability to watch this on your phone or whatever you're doing, we got a lot of that, but it also came with a crazy amount of censorship and it came with a crazy amount of algorithmic ma manipulation to divide us. And it came with political polarization and it came with government censorship with big tech and everything else. So now I want to do that throwback clip. This is from August of 2018. So this is five years ago. Uh, this is me talking with Eric Weinstein, uh, and we were discussing, this was right after Alex Jones was deplatformed off everything, right? Now, whether you like Alex Jones or don't like Alex Jones, should he be able to communicate with people? Is he doing anything illegal? Blah, 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 blah. I have many times since had a, bit, a mea culpa on this one that I should have even offered him more of a defense than I did, although I, I did offer him a bit of a defense when it was very unpopular to do so. Uh, anyway, uh, here is uh, Dave Rubin and Eric Weinstein talking about how the machine will look to deplatform all of the people who speak out differently. And do you think that has a little something to do with what's going on right now? This is just their way of inching us closer to deplatforming. It may be. You think, but you think that's a secondary issue here. Well, what I'm trying to say is, and uh, by the way, thank you for having uh, my friend uh, Peter Thiel on. Uh, oh yeah, no problem. That was great. Yeah, we can talk about that too. Um, you know, Peter has this, this brilliant way of analyzing things, <clears throat> is that you have something that a powerful entity could do. Uh, and then he says, but the level of violence needed to accomplish that goal is probably not something that that entity could stomach. Well, I have no doubt that people are fantasizing about doing to all of these people what was done to Alex Jones. 
right? With, with Alex Jones, there's so much over-the-top stuff that a lot of people whew, breathe the sigh of release. Thank God somebody rid us of that terrible Alex Jones. Now, I'm not going to get into whether Alex Jones is good or bad. No, no, but putting... putting wait, wait, let me, let me yeah. continue slightly. They could try to take the alternative influence network that they have identified off the air. Okay, what would that look like? You've got to somehow get rid of Joe Rogan, Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro, Dave Rubin, Sam Harris, et cetera, et cetera. And we've got new kids coming up all the time who are set to be uh, major voices. So are you going to get rid of all of these people? Because if you do that, the only way to do that is in such a visible way. The, the way they can do this now is, is harassment through algorithms. Okay. I think you got the point there. And if you want to check out that full, I think we did like a two hour live stream. Uh, you can find that online, obviously. But the point is, it was never going to stop with Alex Jones. And now you can see, you can see the way they treat RFK Jr., who is not allowed on CNN, right? And again, whether you agree with him on everything or not, whether you think he's got some conspiracy theories or is mixed up on this or that or the other thing, or you have political disagreements with him like I do, he clearly is not outside of the Overton window. If you connect that to then what I was talking about a moment ago, uh, Spotify being pressured to get rid of Rogan a year ago. It had nothing to do with anyone thinking that Joe Rogan was racist or anything else. All of the people who were deplatformed because of vaccines, the Canadian truckers who had their bank accounts closed, all of this stuff, I think, again, you can see the picture and why I think this new thing is forming. So now let's jump over to that Joe Rogan guy uh, because here he is talking about how the government is going to go out of its way to regulate everything. There will be new open source sites. There will be sites built to protect free speech, but the government, the machine is going to do everything it down can to clamp down. And we don't know, as Eric pointed out, we don't know exactly what that will look like, but I think we're starting to get some hints. If the open source movement does take hold, if people recognize this as being a real serious threat and start applying, you know, just using whatever it is, whether it's mines or the, the various open source social media networks don't you think the government would somehow or another try to regulate that as well if they've already got control over facebook and twitter and well that's the threat so the the, the threat always is that they're going to come in and do that and that that is what they're threatening to do that there is energy in washington by people trying to figure out how to regulate or ban uh open source Having said that, banning open source, like interfering at that level, uh, carries consequences with it. And so, for and, and there are proposals, there are serious proposals from serious people to do what I'm about to describe. Do you run a, Do you run a software program on everybody's own computer, right? Watching everything that they do. Because you have to make sure that they're not running software they're not supposed to be running. You know, do you have basically an agent built into everybody's chip so that it's not running, you know, software that's not supposed to be running, right? And then what do you do when somebody's running unapproved software? You know, do you send somebody to their house to take their computer away? All right. So I should have mentioned before the clip, the guy he's talking to there is an internet legend in his own right. That's Mark Andreessen, who is a billionaire tech guy who has done a gajillion a gajillion site. Uh, he did pass on locals, by the way, but uh, that's okay. Uh, he's a good guy. Uh, but the point is, even as we decentralize things, will the machine try to figure out how to take us out? Why is the machine so against Bitcoin? The idea that I could store a decentralized uh, something of value and exchange value with you in a decentralized way that has nothing to do with the government. Why is that a threat to the government? Well, then 
they don't get their piece, right? Because they're basically like the mafia at this point. So now I want to show you again, how does the machine react when good people don't do crazy things, just try to think things through properly, just try to question the narrative, et cetera. Uh, well, on the televised mental institution known as MSNBC, they had a lawyer, a national security analyst, and a former government official, a former DC federal prosecutor by the name of Mary McCord. And uh, she doesn't seem to understand what the First Amendment is. Enjoy. The intersection of U.S. national security with an orientation toward threats from abroad, where I think I know from my time in government exactly what we would do if a foreign terrorist organization or an American adversary threatened us. What is it that we do when prominent figures or, or someone from the ex-president's cabinet threatens us? Well, right. This is the challenge because domestically uh, speech is protected by the First Amendment and that has been interpreted very, very broadly to protect almost everything that can that, you know, including things that can sound pretty threatening unless they cross over the line into sort of what's called a true threat. And that means uh, the First Amendment does not protect violence or incitement to imminent violence, but the line about where that is and when a threat becomes that type of incitement to imminent violence or violence itself is something that the courts have struggled with over time. And I think that that's been essentially weaponized by extremists to really push that envelope and try to stay where they feel is just on the protected side of the line. Sometimes I, I admire them, like their ability to sort of sound smart while saying the most authoritarian evil shit imaginable is just incredible. Yes, there is a line because there are things that are within the law and not within the law. So there is a line as it relates to free speech and direct threats. Uh, the idea that you yell fire with the intent to do harm in a movie theater. There are things that you cannot cross that then are, are criminal acts, libel and slander. Again, these are very, very narrow things around the First Amendment. But but you see what she's saying? You see these right-wingers, they're, they're weaponizing the First Amendment. They're figuring out ways to get in and out of those lines. They're weaponizing it. And what she really means by right-wingers is she means anyone who doesn't agree with her, anyone who doesn't agree with the machine's narrative. She certainly, the, the, I don't know her specifically, but the people who say these things, they are the same people who don't want RFK Jr. to be heard. In no sane way could you consider him a, a traditional right-winger. So you see what they're doing, but it continues on MSNBC, this guy, this guy, Paul Rykoff, founder of Righteous Media, whatever that is, uh, he wants more laws. They want He wants the government to look into you and they're happy to give him a platform because apparently that's not radical. What does that look like in action? Because I, I know you sort of sit sit at the, the fulcrum of, of peering over into, into two abysses, if you will. Um, what does that sound like? Well, I, I think that there's a core point here, which is a, a lot of Americans are up for grabs. I wouldn't dismiss it as just something that only people on the right or watching Fox News can latch on to. I mean, we're in a battle for hearts and minds. And there are people who are on the fence. You've got to have leaders and messages and messengers and programs that get to those people, that bring them over into community organizing and into nonprofit organizations and away from the Patriot Front and the Oath Keepers. And, and I think yeah. the parallels with 9-11 are important. We've talked about this before. After 9-11, the, the laws didn't work. Like, they made massive changes to respond to a new threat. And I think we have to face the fact that many of our structures, laws, and policies may not work. After 9-11, we created the Department of Homeland Security. There was the Patriot Act. There was massive change in our entire society to 
to face the number one threat or at least what was communicated as a number one threat. I think we need the same kind of tectonic shift. It's got to be much more than, than see yeah. something, say something. But maybe our laws need to change to respond to the fact that someone like Mike Flynn, the former national security director, is openly calling for violence consistently. That is one of the most mind-blowingly self-conflicting statements I've ever heard. He's saying, oh, the Patriot Act, all of these new laws, they didn't work, which is why we need a whole new rehash of all of these things. We just need the machine to give us new laws now. The, all of those laws that the very machine gave us about a perceived threat, much like we have a perceived threat right now, that shit didn't work, so can we get a whole bunch new? Come on! Ugh. So guys, who is holding us back and who is becoming more like the machine every single day? Well, I have said for quite some time that unfortunately it is with great dismay, actually, that I say this. But Donald Trump at this point is part of the machine. One of the key facets of the machine is endlessly lying no matter what, right? Because the machine wants you to never know what is true so it can manipulate you in any way. And, you know, five or seven years ago when a lot of people were into the Trump thing and he was loose with the truth, he was he was being loose with the truth and being sarcastic and everything because he was defeating the, the he was going after the swamp and the machine and everything else. Now he's using the exact same tactics as him. I, I want to show you this. I know it's going to piss some of my viewers off and that's just fine because I have to tell you the truth. So check this out. Uh, this tweet, uh, this is a, a well, this, this is a press release that Team Trump put out yesterday. Uh, so this is from the Trump Make America Great Again 2024 uh, official campaign. Unholy alliance. DeSantis campaign colluding with Biden's weaponized DOJ to stop President Trump, Trump and the MAGA movement. He is, and then there's this ridiculous statement in there. He is pretending that, you really need to think about this. Come back to me for a second before we read the tweet. Um, you really need to think about this, and then I'm going to read a tweet analyzing it. Um, the idea that Ron DeSantis, who has done more to fight the woke, get ESG out of our schools, you, you know all the stuff, that he is now working with the Biden administration to take out Donald Trump. It is completely made up nonsense, but it is nonsense that Trump is throwing on his people. And as I discussed with Charlie Kirk the other day, Charlie said to me, well, they don't really care about the truth. They care if something is attitudinally right. Uh, so now I want to read uh, a girl by the name of Tracy Beans online. Uh, she, she retweeted the Trump thing and she, I thought she had a good analysis on this. She said, this is an email sent by the Trump team today. Reading it, you'd think DeSantis is leading the charge to force more indictments on Trump and he's a crazy leftist hell bent on joining the team attacking him. But if you click the link in the email to read the piece they used to craft this, you'll see that the only thing that even references any legal woes for Trump is in the very last paragraph and is a quote from a donor saying that the more legal woes may affect the trajectory of the race, which is the fourth screenshot she has there. If this type of misleading nonsense that made me start, it's this type of misleading nonsense that made me start looking at everything differently. Is there just no way DeSantis could ever win? If there is just no way DeSantis could ever win, why do you have to lie about him to your supporters? So you get it, guys. There is literally no evidence, none, zero, that Ron DeSantis is coordinating with the Biden Department of Justice. Ron DeSantis, the guy who's getting rid of Soros-backed DAs in, in cities like Tampa, right, who has done all of the things that Trump said he was going to do, and Trump is trying, it's politics, Trump is trying to destroy him in, in the name of his quest for power. Uh, but in this new world that I'm trying to lay out, 
that lying is just as bad as the other lying. That's what I'm trying to show you. So I, I, I retweeted it. I wrote this and I think, uh, I think it captures it. Trump can lie about anything and none of his supporters or surrogates will say a word. As Charlie Kirk said to me yesterday, it's tonal and attitudinal. They just don't care if he lies about everything. It's a game and he's using the pawns. Okay, so now let's just jump to a little bit of my interview with, uh, with Charlie. Now, again, I am friends with Charlie. I am not placing this out there to capitals, capital letters, destroy Charlie or own Charlie or anything else. Uh, but I'm trying to show you that this, I, this, this constant lying from the machine, which we now all see in the corporate press and anything else, Trump is just mirroring it on the other side. And we better find a middle way or we are going down one way or another. So here's me and Charlie. Your question is really, do you want to take some of the, the anger that the base has because of the way Trump being treated and he's being treated horribly. And I yeah. completely it's, agree it's with that. It's righteous. Um, I agree. I agree. There's probably some way to do that. But I would also say to some extent, ten, if, you just want to view yep. this, if you just want to view this in the political lens, maybe this is why Trump should stop lying about DeSantis every which way. And you know he is. Everything he says about DeSantis is a lie. Everything well, look, he says Dave, about Dave, Florida Dave, is a lie. I'll be honest. It's also a lie when DeSantis goes after Trump and says he was pro-Fauci and all that. That's just not true. But, but and well, it he is gave Fauci it, an award on the way we're, out. We're, we're out of time. Dave Rubin, thanks so much. More after the break. Okay, you get it. He gave him an award on the way out. We have played the video. Trump literally had a re-election video where it was all Fauci praising Trump. They were in bed with each other. They've both said nice things about each other. Now you may go, it was COVID, nobody knew. Okay, fine, but stop lying to me now. But if you only care about tonal and attitudinal, think about the, what, lies, lies beget more lies. And you think that maybe that is what has gotten us into this nonsense. So every time someone says the truth, they try to destroy him. And that's why it's so dangerous what Trump is doing with DeSantis right now. Forget it. Forget if you think DeSantis should be president or he should stay governor or, or even if you like DeSantis or anything else. This isn't exactly about DeSantis. Everyone that now believes these crazy theories that Ron DeSantis is now working with the Department of Justice to take out Donald Trump, has been lied to by Donald Trump and they seem to want more. And we better think about what that means before we on, on let's say this side of the political aisle become as completely batshit bananas as everybody on the other side. We, you just have to think about that. Cause I guarantee you, I mean, I saw it yesterday on Twitter, nobody, nobody on the, on the right was like, boy, that was a good point. Uh, you know, that we should maybe stop lying about all of this stuff because it's dangerous when we find a guy that's pretty good. We, maybe we like somebody else. We like Trump, but we find this guy that we all loved. Everybody on the right universally loved Ron DeSantis. And now Donald Trump has people thinking he is a turncoat and working with the Biden Department of Justice. It's evil. It's just evil. So what side of this do you want to be on? I think that is the question. This is a good show for me to, you know, tomorrow's my last uh, show before we go off the grid and we're going to do kind of a recap of the last six months and everything else. But I think this is the theme that I want to take with me as I go off the grid and I get to think through some of this stuff and, and also remove some of this stuff from my brain and come at it with fresh eyes when I come back. Uh, but the question is, what side of all of this do you want to be on? Do you want to be on the side of the machine of the deep state of the corporate press of the liars of the people who would gladly inject you and fire you and close your bank accounts and call you a racist and all of that stuff? Do you want that? The people who will, who will turn you against people you loved six months ago for all my Trump viewers, my Trump supporters who now hate DeSantis. Like, do, is that the side you want to be on? Or do you think it might be a little bit better to be on the side 
of Tucker Carlson, of Elon Musk, of Russell Brand, of Jordan Peterson, of Bill Maher, of Joe Rogan, of Brett Weinstein, of Glenn Greenwald, of Jay Bhattacharya, of Ron DeSantis, of the All In Podcast guys, David Sachs, of RFK Jr., of Vivek, of Ben Shapiro, of Ice, of Ice Cube, of Eric Weinstein, blah, 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 blah. Do you think that that might be the way out of this thing? And that you can actually, you can actually affect its ability to get us out of the abyss. I think you know what I think. And I leave you with, uh, well, we got one more clip. Two of those guys who sat down earlier in the week, we played some of the clips, uh, Bill Maher and Jordan Peterson. They disagree on everything. Literally the nature of the universe. You have a 67-year-old bachelor, lifelong, multimillionaire atheist versus, versus sitting down with uh, the guy who has, I think, done more for belief and family and why you should have children and all of those things. And here they are with nothing other than mutual respect and, and, a, and a joy in sitting with each other and bridging that divide. Yeah, I can't tell you how great it is to have you back. Well, thank you, I sir. I mean, honestly, there was a lot of people who, when you were down and out, were very sad that like, oh man, that is one guy on the team and our team is not that big. Yeah. <laughs> that we yeah. cannot afford to lose. You know, so to have you come back and be so on it and looking good and, and funny and, you know, brave as always, man, that is. Got it? Did I make my case, guys? Should we have lunch? I think I did. Guys, we have one more show before I go off the grid. That'll be tomorrow. We'll be recapping the last couple months, tell you about a couple future things coming. We're building a new studio while I'm gone. Whole bunch more. We got, we got a lot of stuff cooking for the fall that I'm super psyched about. Uh, I leave you with a cold close of uh, Elon breaking down what's going on over at uh, the new Twitter, which is now known as X, apparently, although they haven't fully done it. It's a little, it's a little messy. Actually, they tried to take the freaking sign down and then the, the authorities stopped them in San Francisco. You can smoke crack on the street and piss on anybody, but I guess taking a sign down is a bit too much. Uh, we got a uh, post-game show coming up at rubenreport.locals.com in about 30 seconds. Thank you for watching. And, and I would love to see in the comments of today's show, I what is this thing called? I don't think it's the new... IDW, the new intellectual dark web, but like, what is this thing? The one thought that I have on this, and maybe you could take it from there, is that if we're fighting the machine, what fights the machine? Like we're all, we're all cogs that are trying to, we don't want to be cogs, we want to be something that breaks the machine, but what the hell is it? What the hell is it? Help me out, guys. All right, see you at the post game. Here's Johnny. tuning into the Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.